Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning, Matthew 5. We are in this series about happiness and how Jesus defines happiness, which is very different from how the world describes happiness. Several years ago, there was a, a, for the whole decade of 2010, there was a very hit show called Mad Men. And in the show Mad Men, Don Draper was this advertising executive, this marketing executive who was excellent at bringing in new business and convincing the client that they should spend advertising dollars with his company. And in the very first season and the very first episode, there's a group of executives at this cigarette company called Lucky Strike that are in a panic because the government is starting to press down on legislation and insisting that they have warning labels on their cigarettes. And so the executives of Lucky Strike show up to Don Draper and Don Draper says, listen, you need to advertise with us. It's all about marketing and positioning in the mind of the customer and advertising is about happiness. Take a look at this, at this scene. Gentlemen, before you leave, can I just say something? Federal Trade Commission and Reader's Digest have done you a favor. They've let you know that any ad that brings up the concept of cigarettes and health together, well, it's just going to make people think of cancer. So we've got a lot of people not saying anything that sells cigarettes. Not exactly. This is the greatest advertising opportunity since the invention of cereal. How do you make your cigarettes? We breed insect repellent tobacco seeds, plant them in the North Carolina sunshine, grow it, cut it, cure it, toast it. Oh, there you go. There you go. But everybody else's tobacco is toasted. No, everybody else's tobacco is poisonous. Lucky Strikes is toasted. Advertising is based on one thing, happiness. And you know what happiness is? Happiness is the smell of a new car. It's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing, it's okay. You are okay. Happiness is the smell of a new car. Happiness is seeing a billboard and everything is okay. Now, has that message actually delivered on anyone's happiness? But constantly we are being marketed to, constantly. And, and marketers are wise. I'm not knocking marketers in here. Marketers are wise to realize that all of us really do desire happiness, and so when we communicate, marketers, they want to help tap into this desire that all humanity has for happiness. But the longer we live, the more we realize that all of these messages fail us. The smell of the new car quickly fades and we find ourselves not happy. The billboard we find doesn't really deliver on the promise of happiness. And so Jesus shows up and he gives a very different message about happiness. And so we're walking through these Beatitudes. This is this famous sermon that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Matthew. And he speaks about happiness. And we're looking at one phrase at a time. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, you see Jesus say this. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, or the same word for blessed is the word for happy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus speaks about real happiness. Now, you've heard it said, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you likely have heard people say that Christians should be the happiest people on the earth. And that is true. We believe that Christians should be the happiest people that walk the face of the planet. And the reason we should be happy is because this incredible promise that Jesus makes. So if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, we're so honored you're with us this morning. And this will help you understand why, why do us Christians say this? Why do we insist that Christians should be the happiest people on the earth? So Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart for they will see God. So I'm going to walk us through that phrase just word by word to really get this into our hearts this morning. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So if you're looking at your listing guide, which is in, in your notes, you'll see number one, happy are the pure in heart. When you see the word pure, when you read the Bible, you will see it often. You'll see the word holiness, righteousness, purity. And when you see that word, theologians have divided that word into being used in two different contexts. Sometimes that word is used to describe the reality that those of us who are Christians have been declared pure. We still struggle. We don't always live pure. We wrestle all the time. But yet God has looked at us and he has declared us to be pure, not because of our goodness, but because we've received Jesus and all of his goodness. So that's declared purity. But because we've been declared pure, we now have this desire to live pure. So we desire purity. So there's declared purity and there's desired purity. Those of us who've been declared pure, to prove that we've been declared pure, we should desire purity. So let me, let me talk about both of them real quickly. Declared purity. I taught uh, vacation Bible school this summer, taught the, the second through fifth graders, and I just loved it. And again, this is why if you are sensing a nudge to serve in our kids area or student area, it's incredible. You see light bulbs go off as the kids and the teenagers understand the gospel. It's awesome. So here's how I explained declared purity to the kids. They liked it. Hopefully you will too. All right. So this is, um, this is you. When you were born, even though none of us are born perfect, in fact, the scripture says that we are born sinful, that we aren't, we aren't uh, born with, without sin. We're actually born with sin, but we don't know the difference between right and wrong. So before God, we are still pure. But there comes a point in all of our lives, and every single one of us have done this, where we choose to disobey God. And this is called sin. And so as I'm talking to the kids, it's like, hey, your parents ask you to brush your teeth and you say, no, that's sin. Or your parents say, did you brush your teeth? And you say, yes, but you know they meant today and you're saying yes like three days ago. That's still, that's in my house, that's still, um, that's still sin. And when we fall short of the standard of God, when we, when we don't live up to his holiness, and none of us do, none of us do, Sin enters our life. But when sin enters our life, here's the struggle. We can never get it out of our lives. I, I can't get the sin out of me. As much as I want to, I can't rid myself of it. And some of us, we work really hard to co color the outside of the jar, to make ourselves look good on the outside. 
but it doesn't change the fact of what's going on on the inside. Jesus showed up one day to some religious leaders and he said, you guys are awesome at cleaning the outside of the cup, but the inside is unclean. And what I care about, Jesus says, is the inside. And so all of us are just this way. And this is when the Bible gets really good. The good news is that Jesus loves us right where we are. And that Jesus is very different from us. That he is holy and perfect and he's completely pure. Unlike us, he never had an impure thought as he walked this earth. All of his actions were pure. All of his speech was pure. All of his motivation was pure. And Jesus, because he loves us so much, put himself on the cross to take away our sin so that all of our sin would be put on him because he wants us to know him and have a relationship with with him. He wants to declare you to be pure. And if you will give your life to Jesus. If you will say, Jesus, I I want to follow you. I want to receive your forgiveness. This is what Jesus does. He takes all of his purity because he took all of your sin on the cross. Jesus moves into your life. And when he moves into your life, all of his perfection cancels out all of your sin. Yes, it's good. A, a little bit different response. They oohed and odd. You clapped. It's still all good. All good. Thank you for that. But it is, um, it's good news that in our brokenness, Jesus looked at us and loved us. And he declares us to be pure even though we're not pure. So that's declared purity. But that's not where the Bible ends. And that's not where Jesus ends. Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart, they will see God. He's saying, if you want to be happy, you aren't only declared pure, you then desire purity. You you want to pursue Jesus. You want to go after Jesus. You desire him. Now, that word for pure in the original language, if you have your Bible, circle it or underline it. It's a powerful word. It means unmixed or undiluted. Pure. So when you had coffee this morning, some of you mixed it with a bunch of stuff. You put a bunch of creamer and seven Splendas in your coffee, and some of you just wanted it pure. I just want it black. I just want it straight. That's how I want it. I want my coffee just pure. Some of you went out to dinner last night, and at the restaurant, you you had a mixed drink, and some of you mixed it. you, You had a whole bunch of sweet and sour and a little bit of something, and others of you know, I, wanted, I, just wanted, I just wanted on the rocks, which still isn't unmixed and undiluted. It's still not pure. It's mixed with the ice. It's mixed with water. If you really want it pure, you say, I want it neat. I want it straight. I just want it pure. That's the word here. So Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart. And so, but how can I be pure? Because I still struggle. All of us still struggle. So the word pure, unmixed, means that your desire for God is unmixed. That we still struggle in this world with lesser desires, with other desires. But the overarching desire in our life would be him. The overarching desire in our life would be the holiness of God, the purity of God. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he said it this way. Purity of heart is to will one thing. To will one thing. 
that the overarching desire in your life would be, I desire the purity of God. I desire Jesus. I want Je- I know I still struggle with things of this world, and yes, I have these desires and these desires, but the big desire, the macro desire that's gonna sit over my heart, the macro desire that's gonna sit over my life is that I desire Jesus. That's purity. That's unmixed, undiluted passion, and this is what Jesus says is happiness. That's why Christians should be the happiest people in the the world. Because when your desire for him is unmixed, undiluted, single-focused, you are happy, Jesus says. Have you tested him in this? Have you said to him, Jesus, I'm I'm going for this. You're going to be the overriding desire in my life, even though I have these other desires. And we do. To illustrate this, I'll tell a story. So I, I don't like to fly. I, I, um, I get nervous on airplanes. A, a flight attendant talked to me after the service and tried to console me and counsel me, and I, I hope it works. But I still get nervous on, on flights. I like to sit um, close to the front as possible, never, no, not in first class, but behind that and, and close to the window because I, I, I think I'm going to die, and I guess I want to see it if it happens. And so I just want to... <laughs> Sit, sit there and it feels safer. When, and it's not when it's a clear day, it's fine. It's when it's turbulent and thunderstorms. I just, I don't like it at all. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I just don't want to go out that way. And so I just don't like to fly. I do it, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. But every single time, I just, I just, I just don't like it. So a couple of years ago, I was speaking in Austin, Texas, and I was scheduled to fly home to Nashville, where we lived at the time. And so anytime I'm flying, I'm checking out the weather app on the city that I'm departing from and the city I'm landing in. I'll even pull up the map and see what kind of thunderstorms are along the route just to prepare myself for the craziness that is about to ensue in my life. And so I'm looking at this and there's really bad weather and there's an incoming flight from Nashville to Austin that lands and we're going to get on and go back. And the people who get off that incoming flight Man, it is scary because they're walking through the terminal and they're like, I'm never flying again. (laughs) That was crazy. One dude literally gets down on his hands and knees and kisses the ground. I never thought I'd see the ground again. I'm like, bro. And so in this moment, (laughs) I have this desire to stay in Austin. You know, Austin's got some great restaurants. I can stay (laughs) another day in Austin. So I have this desire to stay on the ground Yet I also have a desire to get home because I had made this commitment that I would try to always get home as fast as I could to tuck the kids in bed. So which desire wins? Which desire wins? I stayed in Austin, of course. I uh, did not. Not true. Not true. Not true. I got on the plane. I got on the plane because even though I had this desire to stay, there was a greater desire to be with my kids. And so this is what it means to struggle as a Christian. And this life is often a struggle. We still struggle with lesser desires. I struggle. So being unmixed, having a purity of heart, doesn't mean that you're perfect. It's not about the perfection of your life. It's about the direction of your life. Is your heart focused towards him, towards purity? So happy are the pure in heart, in heart. So pure, now let's talk about what Jesus means when he says the heart. 
Notice Jesus does not say, happy are the pure in speech. Happy are the pure in appearance. Happy are the pure at church. Happy are the pure in their lifestyle. Happy are the pure in their actions. Now, does does Jesus care about all those other things? Absolutely. But those things are symptoms of a greater issue. What he really is after, what he really looks at, and even in this moment, what he's looking at in this moment is the hearts of everyone in here. What he cares for ultimately is your heart. Now, we tend to care about those other things much more than we care about the heart. We can care about our appearance much more than we care about the heart. But what he's after, what he's consumed with, what he cares about in your life is he's after your heart. High school students, one of the first verses I memorized my senior year in high school after I became a Christian is this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the whole earth to show himself strong to those of us whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that verse. I was like, wow. When I'm at school, when I go off to college, his eyes are always looking, and he's looking for those of us whose hearts are full on for him. And I want him to find my heart full on for him. Because when he finds my heart fully committed to him, he shows himself strong, he promises. So he looks at the heart. God said this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Jesus, when he showed up, he said this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. He saw a group of religious leaders, and he said, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus cares about your heart. Have you thought about your heart spiritually? Do you care about your heart And so when the Bible speaks about the heart, it's not speaking just about your physical heart, clearly. And it's not only speaking about your emotions. In the Bible, in Hebrew thought, not in Western thought, in Hebrew thought, the heart is the center of your being. It controls your will, your actions, your emotions. It's who you are. And so when the Bible uses the word heart, the Bible's speaking about the core, the essence of everything that you are, what you value, what you're passionate about, where you've set your attention and your affection. Jesus says happiness is if your affection and your attention is unmixed and undiluted, and it's in one direction. It's towards the purity of God. That's what Jesus says is happiness. Is happiness. Proverbs 4, verse 23. DK quoted this earlier. Guard your heart above all else. It's the source of life. Guard your heart above everything else, more than you guard your portfolio, more than you guard your career path, more than you guard your college education, more than you guard anything else in your life. Guard your heart because it's the source of life. It impacts everything. We're smart to care about our physical hearts. We're wise. Because we realize that the heart is the control center for all of us. The heart pumps blood to every single part of us. So we're wise when the doctor says, hey, I don't like these numbers. You need to be more heart healthy. You're wise to do so. That's why some of you are going to go to a restaurant after church and you're going to look at a menu and you're going to search for the heart healthy logo because you are being smart and wise and making smart choices because you know what you put in to your body impacts your heart and then your heart impacts all else of you. The same is true spiritually. 
Your spiritual heart impacts every single part of you. And because it does, we don't love that we love some things still. That's true physically and it's true spiritually. Physically, this is true. You don't love that you still love some things. When the doctor told me, Eric, you got high cholesterol, um, you need to get these numbers down. And it was probably because I had taken Kay on our 20th anniversary trip to the New England area and ate like 17 lobster rolls in a couple of days and then took the cholesterol test. And so he's like, you need to get this cholesterol down. And so when I see that high number and I need to get this number down, I don't love that I love some things. I still love ice cream. I still love a good burger. But when I know what they do to my heart, I don't love that I love them. I still love them. I just don't love that I love them. Does that make sense? Spiritually, if you, you get this spiritually. There's some things in this world that we still love, but because we're trying to set our affections on Jesus, we don't love that we love those things. That's the struggle that we have. And so what we constantly want to do is, God, please make my desires unmixed for you. I know I still struggle, but I want my heart to be pure. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For from the heart, the heart... That's where evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimony, slander, they all come from the heart. So guard your heart. Care about your spiritual heart. Have you thought about your heart this summer? All the decisions that you've made. Have you asked, what's this going to do to my spiritual heart? Are you guarding your heart? One of the biggest sources of marriage conflict or marriage fights in our house has been when I've dropped the ball on one of my duties, which is taking out the trash. That's one of the things I just, I keep sometimes forgetting. And so I'll get the trash from all the trash cans in the house outside to the trash can, but multiple times I've forgotten to take the trash can to the road when the trash people come every once a week to pick up the trash. And so when that happens, it's not, it's not good. It's not good because everything stinks and there's gnats and there's bugs just from one week of missing the trash, just one week. Trash is supposed to be out of our home. We are supposed to separate ourselves from the trash because it's not good for the stench. It's just not good. One week, just missing one week, one week of not taking out the trash can have a big impact. There's a buddy I have on staff here, and I was telling him this, and he's like, man, there's times we've missed two weeks. <laughs> I'm like, bro. I felt sorry for him. I felt much better about my own life uh, after he told me that. He said, man, it was crazy when you missed just two weeks, two weeks. You've got to clean the trash can. You've got to bleach it. You've got to start all over. That's one week and two weeks of not taking out the trash. What happens to our spiritual heart when we stop guarding it? What happens when we allow filth to saturate our hearts when we allow trash to saturate our hearts instead of the truth of God's word. And so your heart, my heart is a sponge. It's a sponge. Are you caring for your heart spiritually? What you're putting in it, what you're being sure gets taken out. And so how do I care for my heart? David the psalmist asked this in Psalm 119 verse 9. He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? 
How can I do this? I live in a place where it's hard to be pure. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. By taking the truth of God's word and putting this in my heart and being cognizant to take out the trash spiritually to care for my heart. Happy are the pure in heart. And then notice this promise. It is staggering. For they will see God. This is amazing. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you're reading this and you're familiar with the scripture, you're like, ah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm kind of confused by that because there's another famous story in the Bible where somebody asked to see God and God says, you can't see me. Now, Jesus is showing up and saying, happy are the pure in heart, you will see God. You, you remember the story, if, you, if you've read the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3, there was this man named Moses, and his heart was unmixed and focused on God. He loved God so much. He's like, God, there's one thing I want in this life. The only thing I want is that you would show me your glory. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. God, I don't want anything else. I don't want a new house. I don't want a bump in the portfolio. I don't want to be more popular with people. All I want is you. I just want to see God. That's what I long for, Moses prayed. Show me your glory, he said. God said, you can't see me. I love that you asked because it shows that your heart is unmixed and undiluted, but you can't see me. Nobody can see me because If you would see me, you would die because you can't handle the overwhelming sense of my wonder. You can't handle how awesome my presence is. But because you asked, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you and put you in the crevice of a rock and I'm going to pass by and I'm going to cover your eyes with my hand as I pass by. And after I'm past you, I'll remove my hand and you'll get to see the afterglow of me. The backside of my glory. In the original Hebrew, it's the afterburn, which is like the exhaust at the end of an airplane. That's what you're going to see. That's all you're going to see of me. Moses is like, I'll take that. He's in the crevice of a rock. He sees the backside of God's glory, and it so changes him. He's filled with the Shekinah glory. It's the term in the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory of God. He comes down from the mountain, and everybody's like, wow, look at Moses. He's been transformed. Everything about him is different. And Moses was filled with the presence of God, and he was filled with happiness. But he didn't see God face to face. So Jesus shows up and says, happy are the unmixed in heart. They will see God. How do we see God if Moses didn't see God? And so there's two ways. We see God now with spiritual eyes. And later, one day, we will see him with new physical eyes. So let me talk about both of those as we close. If you are pure in heart, you will see him now with spiritual eyes. What do I mean? I mean in the regular rhythm of your life, you will see him at work. Tomorrow you're going to show up at the office. And the purer your heart is, the more clear you will see God. 
If your heart is unmixed and it's focused and the overriding passion of your life is him, you will show up at work tomorrow and you will see people not simply as people, but as image bearers of God. And you will see moments in the day where God is at work. You will see all of the blessings that you have in this life as a gift from God. You will see him through the regular circumstances of life. If you are pure in heart, you will see him in the midst of your problems. The problems aren't the only thing you will see because you will also see God at work in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the circumstance. And sometimes the pain and the problem doesn't go away, but because you are pure in heart, you will see that some way, somehow, God is going to do something and work something from this situation. Happy are the pure in heart, you will see God. And we can see God at work all around us when our hearts are pure. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, to an impure heart, God cannot be seen anywhere. But to a pure heart, God is to be seen everywhere. In the deepest caverns of the sea, in the lonely desert, in every star that adorns the brow of midnight, God is to be seen everywhere. This afternoon, two people are going to walk down on Crystal Cove. They're going to walk the beach. One, as he walks, is going to feel the sand beneath his feet, is going to feel water rush over his toes, and he's going to stand there and he's going to look at the ocean. And in the middle of that moment, he's not only going to see the waves, but he's going to remember, man, I'm overwhelmed with life right now, but the God who created this sees me and cares for me. And as these waves come in, these waves have always come in because he's always been God. And in the middle of the struggle I have, he's still going to send the waves in and he's still going to care for me. And in the middle of standing there on Crystal Cove Beach, sand caked beneath the toes, waves coming in relentlessly after one after another, he's going to see God. Someone else is going to walk that same beach, same sand, same waves, and only see the waves. Two artists tomorrow morning wake up in Laguna Beach. One artist, as she paints, takes the colors, puts them on the canvas, and as those colors hit the canvas and as they mix and this beautiful creation, this beautiful work of art starts to come into view, she sees the colors as a gift from God and she remembers how creative our God is. And she's in awe, not of her own work, but of the work of our creator. And she's honored that she gets to join him in creating something and she sees God at work in the middle of the art. The other painter, as she paints, only sees the painting and it's never done, and she's never satisfied. <laughs> Two guys are going to pull in their driveway after church in a couple of moments. One guy, when he pulls into his driveway, is going to look around at his apartment complex or in the condo or the neighborhood where he lives, and is going to think of that neighbor and that neighbor. I don't know that neighbor yet, but I want to. And is going to remember God is the one who put us all together in this same neighborhood or this same complex, and God is pulling some story together. I don't know how it's going to be written, but God, thank you that you let me live with these people. The other is going to pull in and isn't going to think anything like that, isn't going to see God. One will see God, one won't see God. Happy are the pure in heart, they see God. Two managers from Mariners show up at work tomorrow. 
They both lead large teams. One shows up and all of the people that she leads, she looks and she sees they're created in God's image. I get to serve them. I get to develop them. Yes, I care about the work, but I also care about these people. The other, all she sees is people to absorb work that she can take off her plate. One sees God, the other does not. Who sees God? Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. They will see God. So we see with spiritual eyes now, and then this is, this is really good. There's a day coming when you will see him face to face with new eyes. There's a lot of things I wish you did not see. I wish, some of you are seeing horrible things right now. The pain of a wayward child, the pain of a divorce, the pain of the death of a loved one, things I wish you didn't see, struggles that you're having in this moment that I wish you didn't carry, things that you see that I wish and long for and pray you wouldn't see. But a day is coming when what you will see will trump all the pain of what you currently see. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. Yes. There's a day coming when you will see Jesus face to face, and he will right every wrong. He will reverse every pain. He will wipe away every tear from every eye of his sons and his daughters, and he will rule and reign victorious, and everything will be new, and everything will be right, and everything will be as it should be, and you will see him that day, and everything will be perfect. That day is coming. So when Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart, they will see God. If you're his, you're, you're, you're pure. He's declared you pure. And a day's coming when you will see him. And so because you've been declared pure because of his grace, we now desire to see him here. We desire to have our hearts pure and unmixed towards him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 speaks of the day that is coming. Dear friends, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. So we're going to be something else that we haven't seen yet. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. That day is coming. Happy are the pure in heart for they will see God. Jesus, help us today to have unmixed hearts, to have hearts that are pure so we can see you. Thank you that you've given us your grace and you have declared us pure. We now, as we walk in this life, we want to look to you. We want you to be the big desire in our lives that overwhelms all the other little desires. Would you pray that now in the stillness of this moment? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you say, God, make, I want you to be the big desire of my heart. God, help me to look to you and not to the things of this world. 
God, purify my heart. I want my heart to be unmixed. I don't want it to be diluted. I want it to be focused on you. God, I can't fix my heart. I can't do it. I know you can. Jesus, with your forgiveness and with your grace and with your power, do something in this moment, supernaturally, significantly with my heart. Cause me, cause me, God, to look to you.
Amen. If there's anything going on in your life that we can pray for you about, a team of people to my left, your right, right by those lights, they would love to pray with you before you leave today. If your need is prayer for healing, we have an elder prayer room. And to get to that room, you go through the doors in the back and you take a right and you can get to the elder prayer room. As you leave today, you're going to see that we're going to have 15 junior high students that have recently become Christian. They're getting baptized after this service. And so we're really excited for those junior hires. So it's awesome. So good. So if you see them, feel free to yell out a holler, clap, and, and, and let them know how proud we are of them. And, and, and we really are. So three weeks from now, um, we don't have an 11 o'clock service anymore. So excited about the 1130. We, I hope many of you will go to the 1130. If 10's the only time that works for you, then, then, then come to the 10. But the reason we're doing this, as you can see, even in the middle of the summer, we've had to turn people away at, at the 11 o'clock service because we've run out of seats or people couldn't get in. And we've, we've turned the chapel in, during some of the weeks into like an overflow room. And so we need this, and that's in the summer, and so we know with fall coming, we just want to do all we can to create space for us to bring our friends and people who don't yet have a church where they can worship and be in community. We want to be able to have space for us to bring them. And so as we launch this, this new uh, services time, a new series, I want to encourage you to, to bring friends with you. All right, let's extend our hands and receive God's blessing as we go. Jesus, you promise in your word that We are happy when our hearts are pure and focused on you. So I pray for your sons and daughters now with their hands extended that this week you would show yourself strong to them, that your eyes would range throughout Orange County and strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to you. I pray this week that they would sense how much you love them. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in the regular rhythm of their day that they would see you at work and that they would be happy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.